Welcome to Bristol Radio, your home for Bristol Motor Speedway and Dragway podcasts, sound bites, and more. For more Bristol content, visit bristolmotorspeedway.com. Hey everybody, it's JT. Welcome to episode three of the Bristol Impact Podcast on Bristol Radio Network. Our, our goal with the show is to share the stories of the people, places, and organizations that the Bristol Chapter of Speedway Children's Charities partners with that are helping thousands of children in need. And our guest today is Kyle Hicks. Kyle Hicks is with LXI in Johnson City, Tennessee, and it's my pleasure to welcome you, Kyle. Kyle, welcome to the Bristol Impact Podcast. Yeah, thanks, JT. So um, there's probably a lot of people that don't know a lot about LXI because we are being thrown out to the world, right? Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, there's at least three to listeners. four people listening <laughs> across the world that are listening. And yep. so uh, we've invited Kyle. The thing is, I know you, mm-hmm. and I know enough to be dangerous about you. And uh, for the listeners who are here, we've, we've done life together for the last uh, season. Yeah. Uh, in and out of each other's life. I know enough to be dangerous, but I don't know a lot. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that today uh, you can kind of shed some light on uh, LXI, uh, kind of how it got started. And, um, you know, Speedway Children's Charities has kind of been a, a partner with you guys in supporting the last few years. Yeah. And so the impact that you're making. So tell, tell us a little bit, who is LXI? What, what, is, what is that even? When somebody says LXI in Johnson City, and uh, what is it? What, what do you typically tell them? Yeah. Well, I, I think the first thing that I would say about who LXI is is that we're family. Um, and that isn't from me. That is from the kids that we work with. They see us as their support system, as someone who uh, is there when life is good and when life isn't so great. Um, so, so who do you work with? Yeah. And so we're working mainly with uh, middle and high schoolers in uh, the Johnson City community, um, they would uh, probably fall into the category of at-risk, um, at-risk youth who, uh, yeah, have a difficult time transitioning into the next season of life. That's what that word means, at-risk. I didn't know that until actually pretty recently, but, um, you know, in, we see them and, and build relationships with them, come walk alongside them, have been doing that since 2010, um, and that we have had very many different phases um, of what that's looked like, what those relationships have looked like, how um, involved we've been in their lives um, at different points. So, so you guys, since 2010, you, you, are, you are a nonprofit working in the city of Johnson City with at-risk teens. Yes, yeah. yes. We were not a nonprofit for the first, like, four years. We were just a group of college students who said, hey, we want to go knock on some doors in Carver, community and hang out with kids and parents were like yeah you can hang out with my kid they really need some positive influence and so there's a little basketball court there in Carver and a playground and we met a lot of the kids that you know that uh, have been have came to church with me at different points Um, you know we met them on that basketball court in the first year of our ministry Um, and so yeah that's where it all where it all started. So yeah. 2010, back up with me, uh, Kyle Hicks, 2010 version. It's 2020 yeah. now. Uh, you were waking up with some kind of, uh, hey, we're going to take a merry band of people here and go knock on some doors yeah. in Carver. Where are you at? What's your story? Who are you? Where are you from? Yeah. Why, why, why did that resonate with you? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I guess... In 2009, had 
a pretty transformational moment in my life where I had started to um, hang out with some folks that I probably didn't need to be around whenever I was, I was 17 at the time in high school. And uh, yeah, ended up getting in a lot of trouble. Um, ended up doing a lot of things I'm not proud of. Um, I ended up getting arrested, sent off to um, a rehab facility in Nashville. And uh, my life changed. I, I met Jesus there. And uh, yeah, I, I had no idea what it looked like to live differently than how I had been living. But I knew that something was different. And I knew that I was going to leave that moment and wasn't going to go back to the same uh, to the same kinds of lifestyle choices that I was making before. And so, yeah, that 2009, uh, I was a complete mess whenever I left Cumberland Heights. And uh, I was a Christian, but I definitely didn't have my act together. I uh, didn't fit the normal mold of what that looks like or what, at least in my mind, I had built up. This is what it means to you know, look like a Christian, to be a good person or whatever. I was a mess and had a lot of wounds, had a lot of brokenness going on in my own life. And um, I had people that were there for me that just stood beside me. Uh, my dad being one of them that was, you know, just next to me um, and supporting me. And then I had some some other folks, um, you know, from, from youth ministry to young life to across the board who, who really poured into my life and invested in me. And so, yeah, that that was so transformational that I had somebody that was standing beside me. And so then in college, uh, I realized that um, I'd been in Christian community for a while, and I got introduced to LXI, which didn't really have that name at that time. Um, and there, the leaders had already went and knocked on the doors, and um, I, uh, I came a little bit after that, but they, they brought me out, and I hung out with the kids, and I said, these are my people. These are the folks I get what they're dealing with. I understand what um, life is like for them. Um, feeling alone, feeling um, unheard, feeling like they don't have value, um, feeling like their problems don't have answers. Um, those are things that I said to myself when I was a kid. And so it was just, I mean, <laughs> it was God, but it was a moment where I could I could give back in the way that had been given to me. And it was a no-brainer at the time. I def- definitely did not know that this was going to turn into me being the executive director of a ministry. Yeah. And I didn't know that we were going to be impacting, you know, 60 to 80 kids a week. Um, I-, I had no idea any of that stuff was coming. But I knew that these kids needed someone to stand in the gap and, and to love them and to be there for them as a relationship, as someone they can count on. Yeah. And, and I wanted to be that. Um, which, you know, it, it ended up interrupting a lot of my plans, a lot of my life decisions uh, that I thought I had laid out and, and hashtagged God on the end of those things mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, but that's the best interruption that's ever happened to me. Um, it's been an, an incredibly beautiful journey. So that's so, a long answer. No, but it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> because, you know, when, you, when we try to uh, put a face on this, Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the reason why we want you here. We want to, we want to uh, not only hear the story, but also see the face. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and from a, a who 
these students are and what you're really coming out of. What, what, what does it look like today? Mm-hmm. You know, in the last few years, what, what does it look like of what some of these kids are kind of walking into and what they're um, uh, trying to navigate through? You know, the, the culture is continuing to change. You know, I heard somebody say today the world's uh, gone a mess. Well, that's true in, in a thousand different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, you said, 60 or 70 students a week you guys are interacting with. Tell a little bit about the stuff they're walking through. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the thing that it, it looks a little different than it has probably in previous generations. Um, yes, you have a, a very much a digital age. You know, no kids that are walking into our, uh, walking into LXI, uh, all of them have grown up with smartphones, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's a different way of communicating. It's a different way of being valued of uh, having value placed on how many followers you have or how many likes you have. Or, and it's almost, it's created this huge challenge of, of people know this version of myself that I put out there, but they don't know the real me. And so with that, because they're not really known, they're not, you know, you don't put on social media when you're, when you're you know, not at your best. I wish people would do that more often. I encourage people yeah. to do that, yeah. um, to show the real you. And so sometimes it, it creates this culture of I have to personify whatever uh, kind of person I want people to believe I am. And people are very lonely. Uh, people, uh, and this is not just kids, uh, loneliness, um, you know, anxiety, the things going on on the inside that... Um, People don't talk about. They have walls up. They self-medicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that if you it's know, interesting. All that stuff is uh, you said. It's people. Yeah. Everybody faces these things. Yeah. If we can uh, uh, stop long enough to hear our heartbeat. Yeah. And uh, that has very little to do with our social economic background. Exactly. That's what. That's what I think. I I, I think that there's not walls between. There's not walls between people like we think sometimes. Um, You know, you can think, man, I don't get what it's like to be that kid Mm -hmm. who has experienced, you know, uh, loss or uh, has grown up with, you know, not having certain luxuries in life or didn't have both parents in the home or, you know, has had to deal with something significantly traumatic. But you do. Because you know what it's like to be alone. Mm-hmm. You know what it's like to feel uh, like no one cares. And I think that that's the common ground that we can find with people that kind of unites us as, as human beings is, is we know what it's like uh, to, to experience those things. And, and if we can allow those things to pull us together rather than drive us apart, mm-hmm. um, then we can begin to help one another. And, and so specifically with our kids though I think broken broken relationships is the thing that um, just strikes me as kind of a source a deep wound that a lot of other things are symptoms of um, whether that symptom be disrespect or that symptom be uh, looking for validation or approval in ways that they they probably don't need to be finding that you know uh, in bad relationships or whatever it all stems from this um, being hurt in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's, and, and again, I mean, is that not a common wound? But I definitely know, 
um, and have experienced certain situations where it's like, yeah, these kids do have it pretty rough at times. There are people in the world that have it rougher than them. Johnson City's not, mm-hmm. you know, the crime capital of America, you get me? But uh, behind closed doors, some of the same issues are happening that happen in those sure. bigger places. And hard's hard. Yes, hard is hard. It's sometimes it, it's, uh, and for them, they feel like no one gets it, yeah. right? Like no one understands. It's one of the beautiful things about us gathering is we're it, even more than just us being there, it's them being together, right? So how does that look? How does, how does a LXI, is that uh, weekly or is that monthly? Or how, how does an LXI, how are you guys engaging yeah. with students? Uh, we I, hope, I know a little bit. But, yeah. uh, we hope that it's every day. Um, our, our purpose is to be uh, kind of a launch pad of relationships with kids. And so we, on Tuesday nights, have an outreach night where we'll come together. We have things like tonight, today's Tuesday. Tonight we're going to have uh, groups like cooking, and uh, my buddy Dalton is going to be leading uh, kind of mixed martial arts group. Um, we'll have singing group. We'll have an art group. Um, so there's a lot of when different you, things that they can... cooking, like you're <clears throat> cooking for them, or what are you, what are you doing? Oh, we're having a cooking class. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so uh, we'll have somebody... Um, Come from not the community. Me. You're not having no, me no. Come cook. Uh, Maybe some burgers, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah, we have some pretty awesome cooks, Good. and they'll come in and just uh, and uh, so not you're, saying you're not an awesome no, cook, JT. I don't you. know about your cooking, no, man. It might be all right. So you're saying <laughs> that you guys have different things that you're doing some real practical life skills. Yes, equipping these guys. Yes, and then we share a meal together. Um, and then after that meal, we'll have... So the meal, I've heard about the meal. The meal is a big deal for you guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Why? Tell me more about the meal. Well, I mean, I don't know. I didn't grow up um, eating around the table. Um, I know that that's not an experience that a lot of people have had. Um, it's very valuable. And so we want to bring them around the table together and have, mm-hmm. a, have a family meal. Um, there's no agenda to that. Uh, it's just being together and sitting and talking with one another and doing the best we can to get them to put their phones down and sure. actually be present with the people around that table. We also have groups, which we call families, um, intentionally, where we just go through highs and lows and do fun icebreakers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It, it's just all, all of it. It may seem simple, but all of it is meant to support relationships. Um, and, and, and so we do have some worship and we'll share a gospel message towards the end, but uh, no, those things are not why we gather. Those things are incredible moments in our gathering, but we think the meal or the groups or the family time is just as valuable, if not more sometimes, especially if a kid feels heard. Because sometimes if I'm standing up and, and speaking, they're not feeling heard. I'm feeling heard, right? Sure. And so uh, we try to do our best to balance that out with, with, with having some really intentional moments where they can... Yeah, buy into what what's going on. So, so um, tell me this. So uh, a, a story. Tell tell me about you guys. Have been around since two thousand ten. You've kind of been executive director for how long? Uh, four years. Four or five years. Yeah. You've been involved since two thousand twelve. Yeah. Uh, you've seen a lot of a lot of stuff come through your doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a lot of bad and probably a lot of great. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a story that's been one of those or one or two of those that you just can't get out of your head, mm. a, a, a wow, uh, yeah. a, a takeaway of 
we're doing good stuff. Yeah. Is, is there a story or two that you have that you know, I'm assuming some of these guys who came through this, guys and gals who came through this years ago are now young 20s, doing yeah. life, moving along. Yeah. Well, this one's because I'm sitting at Bristol. Yeah. I would talk about this guy. But there's a young man who actually has uh, been an intern here for a while and got his degree at ETSU, and uh, he was he was one of the first doors we knocked on in Carver. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I should just let his name out or yeah. not, but uh, he wouldn't. Mind, I don't think he'd mind. Gad is one of the most great guy. Yeah, incredible young men. Um, and has now moved on to take another job. Yeah, in the city and is doing great yeah yeah and I think it's it's like any of us we don't have it figured out when we turn 18 you know what I'm saying and so God didn't have it figured out I didn't have it figured out there's been plenty of other kids that haven't either but walking with them and and man we really want to do even more of that of into their young adult life to see them in a place where they get an internship Mm -hmm. somewhere and um, they're able to kind of yeah just get their legs underneath them a little bit so that they can begin to Live life and enjoy it, whatever that looks like for them. It, it doesn't have to be one way. Well, and the fruit of that so. with with him specifically is that he's grown into a sharp, handsome young man who could probably lift a thousand pounds yep. over his head. Yep. You know, he's just big, he was on the football he, team. Yeah, he's, yep. a, he's a cut <laughs> dude, uh, yep. but also uh, one of the sweetest, hardworking. Uh, giving guys, and I, and I would yeah. assume that uh, some of that's come through some modeling and some shaping of yeah. doing life with you guys. Yeah, and, you know, um, he he comes back now and serves with us. Mm. Um, and, I mean, I think that's it, is if, if we create a culture, just like I had received that relationship and saw the value in it so much so that I wanted to give it back, if we can instill that, I mean, that's success. You know, not landing on their feet and getting nice jobs and doing good things or whatever, but that they would have a deep care for people from their own community or from any community. Um, I think that that's it. You know, we have another young man. He doesn't come around a whole lot uh, to our programs now, but he goes to the basketball gym every day and shoots basketball with kids. Mm. Um, I used to do that with his little crew. I used to coach his basketball team. And he tells me, he's like, yeah, like I, I drove this kid and this kid home today and we had a great conversation. And I mean, he, he just sees the value in it and wants to give that to somebody else. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, those, are, those are the stories that always, I love seeing our students graduate and then come back and want to reinvest in um, the lives of those kids. And we have a handful yeah, that are great. doing that now, which is, you know, what everybody hopes to, that's you awesome. hope that you're, you're doing something that, you know, reciprocates, yep. right? Yep. So, so you know, uh, uh, with the agencies that we work with, Speedway Children's Charities, we work with about 102, 103 agencies last past year that was given money that was raised all year long at all of our Speedway events. And oh, we gave away about $980,000 last year. Uh, the thing that I'm finding in a lot of those stories with these agencies is that they've started in a lot of times from an ache from a broken place, mm-hmm. from, a, from, a, from a need or a perceived need of something needs to be done. And, uh, you know, what, what's, the, what's the disappointment or what, what's the thing that continues to kind of get you out of bed in the morning? What's, yeah. what's the thing that says, I'm going to, you know, I, I can't imagine it's been easy 
to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. But what's what's the what's the get up out of bed in the morning moments for you? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think just being able to really provide in some small way uh, a slice of healing, you know, I don't know, a piece of healing, um, to be a moment in a kid's life, whether they come for four years or they come one night, um, whether they're in our launch program, which is, you know, after school multiple days a week with a smaller group of kids, um, or whether it's just some kid that's at Amplify that, you know, has their has one of the leader's arms around him, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we can create a moment that shows a different perspective, that shows a different reality, um, that gives hope, that gives uh, healing, I mean healing, that brings renewal. Um, I think uh, having been able to brush up against you guys a lot of times, or a few times a year, uh, I think it's, uh, these are my words, nobody else's necessarily, mm-hmm. but I think it rings true. I think you guys have modeled love mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. What it means to Thank you. to love well, but also to, they may have to even learn how to be loved. Yeah. And uh, and so when when you're doing your fundraising dinner and all those guys and gals are out there and they're loving well and serving well, I think that is a real testament to uh, what you guys, your leaders, do so extraordinarily well. Yeah, is love people through hard stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and that's a that's a uh, a learned behavior. Uh, I don't know if yeah. we're necessarily born to do that well. Yeah, and so um, yeah, it, it's um, you said it. Like Jesus said that uh, love one another as I've loved you. No greater love than this than someone lay down his life. And I think love looks like sacrifice. It looks like being interrupted. It looks like um, being hurt and still sticking around. Mm-hmm. It looks like going through the mess. Um, it's, not, it's not easy, and it isn't always fun. I I don't want to paint that picture at all. It's not been at times for me. But as long as that love is driving and motivating you um, because you're receiving it yourself, (laughs) then you're going to get up out of bed and keep going. Um, There's nothing in it for for you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I get to do this. This is a beautiful gift. We have about 50 volunteers that come every week that they don't have to be there. You know, the reason why they're there is because they've experienced what you're talking about. They've experienced love, whether it was in their home, whether it was through a relationship with with somebody at their church or some other community, whether it was through a sports team or, or whatever. But they experienced some kind of community that was healing and that was positive. And so... Yeah, we just want to give that back. That's, That's great. you know, in a way, in, in whatever way we can. So, so uh, <laughs> kind of, kind of uh, turning a little bit. It's not a real hard turn, but from a, um, uh, I think the health of an organization, especially a nonprofit, really uh, has to flow upwards and downwards, uh, from the from the leadership piece uh, all the way down through volunteers. You say you had about fifty volunteers. Uh, that's hard to get 
people mm-hmm. to help. Yeah. Right? Um, but it also, there's some, probably some uh, juggling and some learning and some stuff that you probably had to experience these last few years. Tell me about, uh, you know, to, for other folks that are in the world out here trying to get started, trying to kind of move through this agency world, um, what does it look like to care for yourself? How do, how, mm. how do you, in the midst of uh, your relatively newly married, what, five years? Four yes, years? Five four years. years. Four years? Yep. Uh, you've got a young child. Mm-hmm. And I found out this past week you've got another one coming. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to start putting, you know, names in a hat. Yeah. Uh, for you. <laughs> um, but how, how do you, Kyle Hicks, find balance, find with all the roles and all the hats that you're wearing and still feeling the tug to do something that is a, a life-changing generational uh, investment? What yeah. does it look like for you? Hmm. That's a, another really good question. Um, I think that, you know, I started with LXI like full-time as a full-time volunteer I moved into one of the communities that a lot of our kids live in, and I had people living with me. I had a 17-year-old living with me, and I didn't take care of myself <laughs> very well. Um, and and all I had was the love that you were talking about, and and that was enough um, for for a long time. Um, and I think that what what ended up um, happening was was that I neared just kind of fizzling and realizing that, uh, yeah, just nearing burnout, you know. Um, and I had really great people around me. Um, I think community uh, and having folks who you can confide in is so is that huge. A, was that a good community going pulling you out of stuff, or is that you going to friends or mentors and saying, "Dude, I am spent." Yeah. I mean, is it, Tell me how that works. Cause yeah. Oddly enough, I don't think a lot of us really walk in that kind of community. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm a pretty vulnerable person, and so <laughs> for all of our listeners, right? All um, four of them. Yeah. All for all four listeners that are listening. Here you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you know there was a season where I was done and. It was it was a combination of things. I had reached out to some people, and um, they had come and asked me how I was doing, and you know, met. I remember one night in particular where I had like left one of our nights early and just was around a table and was encouraged, um, and was in you know in tears at that point. I remember a time when I didn't know how we were going to keep going. You know, I was living in. An apartment about to get married and and uh, I went to a, a buddy of mine's house and and just kind of laid it all out there for him and he just encouraged me you know um, I think that it, it it is seeking it out personally hmm. in many ways I don't think that we should sit around and wait for someone to realize that we need help hmm. you know like we need to go and, and ask for that um, we need to to try to seek our own healing um, as much as we possibly can. I think that today, um, it looks like like learning how to rest well. It looks like 
learning when to stop, when to allow God to run the world instead of me, um, <laughs> yeah, you true. know, and, and that has been a journey. That is something you practice. That's not something you perfect uh, in this life. And so I'm, I'm practicing. I'm on the journey of practice towards rest. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think um, realizing that <clears throat> what, and I think this is huge because we, sometimes we can have this mentality of we're here to help them, right? And that's completely off from my, from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way to go about loving people is to pursue your own personal healing mm-hmm. and invite them in to see it. Um, and so when Being vulnerable. I, yes, yeah. yes. And so when other people see you healing, they'll realize that healing is possible. When Maybe you invite them in, yes, yeah. when you invite them into that journey, um, you know, there's a quote, uh, the great theologian Lecrae. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He is a great theologian. Yeah, yes, he is. Um, he says, when broken people see our scars, they know that healing is possible. Mm. And so I think that that was a mentality shift in my ministry. I stopped, realize, I stopped thinking that I um, was here to help you know, and solve and be the savior or whatever. And I realized that I was just another person alongside of these kids that need all the same things they need. Um, and so, yeah, that I don't know if that answers no, that's good. completely. I think, but I think it's the side of saying there's, there is a uh, don't, uh, don't be mistaken. You know, this is mm-hmm. a hard journey. If, if you're called to something, you're called to something, through something, through the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be a journey to be there, and and, and uh, I think part of our hope and our heart is to uh, celebrate the victories, but also to kind of shine a light on some of the the dark spots. You know, mm-hmm. I had a guy tell me years ago, uh, and I've used this often, that uh, hey, only two things grow in the dark: mm-hmm. sin and mushrooms. And we're, yeah. not, and we're not a mushroom farmer, <laughs> yeah. so we're going to call that out. And I thought it was great. So it's just a great reminder when I'm reminded of, hey, when I get in a dark spot, there's nothing there good that grows. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to call it out in the light, I think as a uh, as a good thing for people to hear. People who are doing great things go, man, I'm struggling. How yeah. do we get through it? And so uh, that's our hope with this. Our hope is to uh, motivate uh, and and tell others, hey, don't be surprised. The hard times will come. So. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's. Uh, I would tack one more thing onto yeah, yeah. that, JT. Too is, don't uh, don't sacrifice your family for the sake of your mm, call. Yeah. Um, your family is your call, yeah. and if you lead out of healthy relationships in your own family, then uh, that is what good uh, work looks like in, in in the real world. Um, I know that the tendency for me, I'm very much a called. I love to be out there. I love to be loving people who are hard to love and mm-hmm. whatever. But I'll tell you the truth. Like sometimes my family's the hardest ones for me to be there for. Mm-hmm. When I show home, go, go home at night, do I sit there on my phone some more? Yes, typically. Sometimes I do. I mean, I'm just being honest. Or do I get down on the floor with my little girl? Yeah. Or, you know, am I, am I there? Am I helping? Am I supporting? Am I communicating well? Um, all of which... 
are again practices, not yeah. perfection. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes practice. <laughs> I yeah. promise you that. So and that's and all, yeah. that also is probably best lived out in community too. Yeah, one hundred percent. A lot of hey, me too's. Yeah, you know, oh man, yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Me yeah. too. I, I'll since we're being vulnerable. I did this the other day. There's only four people I, listening. I thought, yeah, here we go. Um, all of our listeners, I texted, and I, I think that if if I think this is a good thing, and I, I'd never realized that how much this would benefit. But I texted a guy the other day when me and my wife were arguing, mm. and said, "Hey, will you pray Help. for us?" <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I had me? never done that before. We sometimes we think uh, if like stuff isn't going well, yeah. like that we got to just figure it out on our own rather than inviting someone into that space. And, you know, I saw him at church on Sunday and was like, hey, man. And he's like, y'all good? And, you know, so it was cool to, you know, and I felt it wasn't like I was just putting on the facade on Sunday. You know, we got an argument on Saturday. I wasn't just putting on the facade. I was coming in being the real me, you know, because I had let others in on on. Yeah, something that wasn't as easy. So, so okay, uh, tell me this: you've you're way you're, off of LXI. No, it's great. Man. I love it. That's all, that's all about LXI. Yeah. Um, uh, you've bumped into to some other folks who've probably come and knocked on your doors, either from this city or from other cities. And how are you guys doing this? And how did you get started? And man, I can't get this idea out of my head. And so, for the ones uh, that may be thinking, I've got something that is in me. You know, it mm-hmm. may not be exactly LXI. It may be something with foster care. It may be something with helping the homeless. But there's something out there that's burning in them. Uh, what, what's, the, what's your advice? What's your, what's your advice when somebody goes, how do you get started? How, how, mm-hmm. do you, how do you get off? How do you come out of the blocks on this? Yeah. Well, we're so non-traditional in that I think sometimes people have an idea and they think, oh, we need to go start a 501c3 or we need to go you know, get a board or we need to, you know, we didn't have any of those things until like four or five years down the road wow. of, of our ministry. I think it's, it's starting to do it because, and just finding a way to get out there and roll your sleeves up in whatever area it is. And some, some organizations, they need to start with a board. Some organizations, they need to start with, with, with those, you know, mentalities. But be careful that, you know, because the heartbeat of what you're doing, whatever's burning in you, the passion that you have to go and, and change the community in some way, um, that doesn't start with a board meeting. Yeah. That doesn't start with 501c3 paperwork. That starts with uh, relationships with those people in some capacity, whether that's through an existing organization that's doing something that you value and you think is super important, um, or whether that's, hey, we don't have anything like this in our community. How, how can I figure out how to do this? You know, sitting down with, with some other people. Don't try to do it alone. Yeah, I think that good. it's better done in community. Finding somebody else and saying, hey, you'd be surprised how many people would, would be excited about going after something like knocking on doors with mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. People that you would never expect would would be about it, end up loving it, you know. But if they're not invited, then they'll never get that opportunity. And so it's not just your thing. It's a community thing. 
And so inviting others in on that, I think, is, is super valuable. That's great. So um, tell me more on Elixir. So <laughs> where are you guys at today? What, what are some needs? What are some real practical needs? And how can we be um, thinking through some of that? What, what are some things that you're, you know, you've grown, you're 10 years in? What's today, just even from a need side? Yeah. I, know, I know a few years ago you were knocking on doors for a van, you know. But, yeah. Um, where are you at practically? What, what are some needs you guys have? Yeah. LXI has, we've always had a strong volunteer base, mm-hmm. but we've never had a great structure or model or method to really help those volunteers be the most effective they can possibly be. Um, and so we're, we're in the process of really putting some legs on that right now of what does it look like to have a healthy, healing loving relationship with a young person in uh, the at-risk community? And, and what are some like clear markers of, of what we hope happens in those relationships? Um, they can look whatever kind of time capacity it needs to be. There's not a time amount, but it's just having the intentionality and the know-how to do that because people don't naturally walk in with a toolkit to know how to love people who have experienced trauma mm-hmm. or have experienced brokenness in, in some pretty profound ways. And so I think we're seeing it as our job to do that. We really want to, um, I know that trauma is definitely a buzzword in our community right now. Uh, we really want to create a culture of trauma responsiveness. Um, we want our programs, we want the relationships we have with our leadership, all of that to healing experiences. So shared experiences are what helps people heal, what helps people kind of come together and, and find renewal. And so um, it's crazy to think about this. We, we know that the issue, and this is just kind of a little bit of a rant, we know that an issue is, is probably linked to broken relationships. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes we try to throw at that issue material or resources in some way without or not providing the relationship alongside that. The way you heal broken relationships is healing relationships. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And so that's, that's our model. That's our structure. We're buying in on that full force. Um, what does that look like? It looks like people, honestly. Yeah. I've always kind of been a little bit of uh, heart. That, that's been a hard thing for me to say because I know that especially – when working in these communities, there are a lot of tangible needs, you know, but, but we need people, um, that, that's it. We need people that have that heart, um, that are willing to learn and have experienced that love that will, you know, continue to be there for these kids, uh, through seasons. And so, yeah, we're doing that. We're, we're, um, really, I I think it, it all is, is captured in this, but Increase our relational capacity. That's the point. Uh, I, a few nights ago, just to make this personal and not mm-hmm. so up in the air, uh, there's a young lady who uh, comes to our ministry, that uh, young girl that just really doesn't have a very uh, great self-worth. And some of the boys really put her down. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has yeah, a tendency to just kind of absorb it and retaliate and 
it's just a really messy situation. And she's in middle school. It breaks my heart some of the things that I hear her say, even in front of me mm. and in front of uh, other leaders while we're on the van taking, taking them home. And I stopped the van on the side of the road and I turned around and I looked at all those boys and I said, boys, she is so valuable. You have to respect her and you have to give her value because God created her in his image and he values her. And so we see people based on the value that God has given them, not based on what they uh, try to receive in the moment, whether or not she is, you know, not valuing herself that way, which she's obviously not. Mm -hmm. Um, I need people that can see that opportunity and, and take that opportunity and say, hey, you're valuable. You matter. You have self-worth. You have, you know, you are intrinsically, um, yeah, just, it's great, yeah. yeah. And, so that's, and, and uh, what a moment for her. Yeah. What a moment for her uh, that will stick with her the rest of her life. Yeah, I hope that, so. That one day she was on a van and this guy, she probably can't even remember the name, turned mm-hmm. around and said, hey, boys, um, she's valuable. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, a, what a stamp on her heart. Mm-hmm. Right. What a what a great thing for for that to be done. Yeah. So so if people were hearing you today, mm-hmm. and they said, "Man, I I live in Johnson City or near Johnson City, and um, I'd love to be a part of this thing. I, I didn't even know LXI really existed. How would they get a How would they get in hold of you? How How could they find you to say, yeah. "Let me sign up. Let's yeah. do some stuff." The best way, and I, I would encourage you to uh, look on our website at movelxi.com. Um, if you go under the what we do tab, there's a place to sign up as, and just express interest. And one of, a, one of our staff will get back to you and, and we, can, uh, we can sit down and talk with you just about, hey, what's your schedule look like? When do you have time? You know, um, and, and there's a place for you. We want, we want to do that. But that's a great way to get the, get the ball rolling. Yep. Um, and I look forward to sitting down with anybody, even if it, you know, there's things like opening up your home on a Thursday night so that 15 kids can come and have a meal together. Uh, we do those every Thursday. Right. We have guest speakers come in. It's not a huge crowd, and you get to, you know, you utilize your home for hospitality, which mm-hmm. is, you know, most people which love to do that. Which is a lost art sometimes. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And so we bring them in, and they're actually, like, they do not make a mess. Mm-hmm. They clean up after themselves, and Great. before long, they will know your family, and you will become a part of the family yeah. if you're not careful. Awesome. <laughs> so I love it. bringing snacks throughout the week. I mean, we have all levels of volunteer opportunities. You don't have to just come, you know, because a lot of times people, they, they have a super busy schedule, aren't able to come throughout the week, but uh, we, we have other ways, too. And if you want to get some organization involved and collaborate on something. Collaboration is huge. We, we're not just about our mission. Mm-hmm. We're about making our community a better place to grow up. So however we can do that, even if you want to go start your own thing, I'm, I'm game. Let's go. That's awesome. So, hey, if they also want to give, uh, give financially, they can go to movelxi.com slash give. Yes. If they say, man, my house is full, uh, don't, my schedule's full, but something's pricked my heart Yeah. Um, with that. Um, so... So here, here's the thing. You know, we're coming to kind of to the end of our time, but uh, uh, Kyle Hicks, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, uh, the impact that you've made in this community is generationally changing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so uh, there's a few things I, I was looking forward to hearing you come in today because uh, if you know Kyle, there's a few things you know about him. Uh, he's a changed man. 
and he's changing, and he's changing lives, and he's leading an organization that's coming alongside a broken generation to say you matter, mm-hmm. and um, and we need more Kyle Hicks in the world, and I, and I also say that uh, to to watch you over these last years, I've now lived here going on ten years, and to kind of be in and out of your life at different times and different stages, um, I I know very few that are as bold and as, as vulnerable and, and willing to step into the dark, hard places with people mm-hmm. than you. And, uh, and you do it in such a relatable way and such a place of authenticity that uh, uh, it's exciting to see mm-hmm. and it's impactful and, uh, and it's challenging. And so uh, to, for the words to be said to you and over you and around your organization, man, well done. Awesome, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to have you on here uh, with our little podcast with all four of our listeners listening. It's awesome, yep. <laughs> and uh, thanks for being a part of it. And uh, and to that for LXI, you know, if you're if you're out there listening and continue to say, hey, how can we be a part of some things? Uh, Speedway Children's Charities Bristol Chapter. Uh, we love being a part of bigger stories, and uh, to be a part of our events during our race weekends or our, through our organizations. These are the organizations that we get to come alongside with and, and kind of uh, uh, give money, yes. Uh, but part of our posture now is to kind of uh, cheer on and, and hold other people's arms up to go do the work because uh, people like you are truly in the trenches uh, where it really happens and making a big impact. So mm-hmm. on behalf of Speedway Children's Charities and everybody here at Bristol Motor Speedway, man, thank you for making an impact in our, in our region. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Bristol Radio and the Bristol Impact Podcast. If you want to make an impact in the life of a child in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia, consider donating to the Bristol Chapter of Speedway Children's Charities. Simply go to speedwaycharities.org and click Donate and choose Bristol in the drop-down menu. Speedway Children's Charities is a nonprofit 501c3 organization and provides funding for hundreds of nonprofit organizations throughout the nation that meet the direct needs for children. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.